From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, Doing What God Can Bless. The text is found in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 8. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. If we obey the Lord our God, he will bless that which he gives us. Riches are no curse when blessed of the Lord. When men have more than they require for their immediate need, and begin to lay up in storehouses, the dry rot of covetousness or the blight of hard-heartedness is apt to follow the accumulation. But with God's blessing it is not so. Prudence arranges the saving. Liberality directs the spending. Gratitude maintains consecration. And praise sweetens enjoyment. It is a great mercy to have God's blessing in one's iron safe and on one's banking account. What a favor is made ours by the last clause. The Lord shall bless thee in all that thou settest thine hand unto. We would not put our hand to anything upon which we dare not ask God's blessing. Neither would we go about it without prayer and faith. But what a privilege to be able to look for the Lord's help in every enterprise. Some talk of a lucky man. The blessing of the Lord is better than luck. The patronage of the great is nothing to the favor of God. Self-reliance is all very well, but the Lord's blessing is infinitely more than all the fruit of talent, genius, or tact. If I Filled 
without the Savior. Mid the sins and sorrows here below, and eternity, how dark without Him. Only night and tears and endless woe. What I might live without a Savior, when I come to die, how would it Every so often here on Let the Bible Speak, we've mentioned Q&A with Alan Cairns. These are video clips of Dr. Cairns giving biblical answers to a variety of questions. These include, why did Christ have to become a man? Why does a good God allow suffering? Or, what is the unpardonable sin? In all, Dr. Cairns responds to over 50 such concerns. All of these video clips are available on the ltbsradio.com website. In addition, we're happy to be able to provide you, free of charge, a DVD containing all of these video portions, about five hours of guidance from God's Word for problems which face the 21st century Christian. You may have a copy simply by requesting it. Just ask for the DVD, Q&A with Alan Cairns, you may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Or if you wish, you may write us at Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Here's an excellent way to provide scriptural answers to family and friends regarding the challenging questions facing believers in this day.
As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he continues a message entitled, Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath and the Superior of the Temple. The text is found in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. In the course of the passage, we have another instance of Christ arousing the anger of the Pharisees by, in their view, violating the Sabbath. First, he defended the disciples for plucking and eating grain on the Sabbath. Then he upset them by healing a man with a withered hand in the synagogue on the same day. The confrontation revealed the merely external religion of the Pharisees, who were more concerned with their rules than in showing mercy to people in need. In this instance, Christ claimed, first, that he is Lord of the Sabbath, and then that he is greater than the temple. Challenging the stringent rules of the Pharisees, Christ declared that he alone has the right to determine what can and cannot be done on the Sabbath day. Now to continue this message, Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath and the superior of the temple, here is Dr. Cairns. Now the law allowed travelers as they followed their way through or pursued their way through the fields of corn to eat as much as they liked. They couldn't gather and put it in a bag and carry it home. That would be stealing. But whether you had a cornfield or a vineyard or anything else that people could eat, the traveler through the field, by the law, had the right to pluck and eat. The Pharisees, however, said that they were not allowed to do it on the Sabbath day. Still furious at Christ for healing the man at the pool of Bethesda on the high Sabbath, they were as we have read, mad, because he allowed his disciples to pluck these ears of corn. So their cry went up, it is not lawful to do this on the Sabbath. But immediately the Lord Jesus Christ defended his disciples. Now I want you to notice that very carefully. Before they had a chance to open their mouths to say a word in their own defense, The Lord Jesus stepped forward and he defended his disciples. That's one of those little things that it's so easy to pass over on your way to bigger things in reading or expounding the scriptures. But I want you to get the picture with the enemy raging against his disciples, with the condemnation being heaped upon them. Before they opened their mouths to defend themselves, the Lord Jesus stepped forward as their advocate and their defender before men. That's a glorious thought, for he's still the same. When you go through the book of Psalms, notice how often the psalmist prayed that the Lord would judge him. What he meant was that the Lord would vindicate him, that the Lord would be his advocate, that the Lord would be his defender, that the Lord would stand up and speak for him and act on his behalf. And how often the psalmist rejoiced that the Lord did precisely that. We have an advocate with God. And the law can bring no accusation against us. And I want you to see this. As soon as anybody would try to use the law of God to bring a Christian into condemnation, Jesus Christ rises as his advocate and as his defender. It's a glorious truth that we have an advocate with God. 
and an advocate against the attacks of men. Learn very well from this that it is what the Lord says about us that counts. That's what matters. These disciples had been going through the fields with Christ. They plucked in his presence. They rubbed the corn and they ate in his presence. And he had not one word of condemnation to say. Now come these hypocritical Pharisees. These whited sepulchers, these people who were dead in sins and iniquities, using the word of God as a cover for their wickedness. And they dared to condemn those whom Christ did not condemn. Let's learn that it's what the Savior says about us that matters. And if he commends us, then let curse who will. Let them curse, but bless thou. That's the stand of the Christian. As long as I can look my Savior in the face and know that he commends me, I can say, who is he that condemneth? So, if we are not condemned of the Lord, let's not be too concerned about the opinions of men. I want you to notice that as soon as he defended them, his defense was an appeal to Scripture. And his use of the Scripture was twofold. Think of what David did. And then think of what the priests did and still do every Sabbath day in the temple. And his use of these really shocked the Jews. Now, that was bad enough, but... On another Sabbath, maybe the very next Sabbath, he went to a synagogue. And there he saw a man with a withered hand. The Pharisees and the uh, Jewish leaders come, and they say, hoping to trap him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? So he, in turn, asks a question, and he turns their question, and he says, is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath day? Or is it lawful to do evil on the Sabbath day? And there's a very pungent thought there. And it certainly got into the hearts and minds. As we would say in Northern Ireland, it got up the nose of these Pharisees. The pungency of it certainly struck them. You're asking me, is it lawful to heal? Well, let me turn the question. Is it lawful to do well? which is what I would be doing if I heal this man, or is it lawful to do evil, which is what you're doing in seeking to tempt me and criticize me and use the law of God against the very Son of God? Now you tell me which is lawful to do. And so he healed the man, thus reigniting the controversy about the Sabbath. Now, as I read those things, it became very evident to me that the Lord Jesus Christ was deliberately entering upon this subject. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ was deliberately challenging the Pharisees. You might even say provoking them. 
He certainly wasn't running away from the controversy. He wasn't doing his good deeds on the Sabbath day in a corner. He drew attention to them. He demanded that they look at what he was doing. He demanded that they listen to his defense. He demanded that they face his challenge. And I think he faced them with that challenge for two great reasons. First, to expose them and the carnal way in which they had externalized their religion. To the Pharisees, everything was external. They had all the laws down, and they had added to the laws innumerable of their own traditions. All the time departing from the Word of God in its purity and hiding it under the cloak of professing to be loyal to it. So to expose them, but also to expound the evangelical message of the Sabbath and the entire Old Testament revelation as it was fulfilled in him. And as he did those two things, the Lord Jesus made two great claims about himself. Notice that when he gave the defense, and especially about the priests laboring every Sabbath day in the temple, they were working. But you wouldn't say they're breaking the Sabbath. Why? Because they're working for the temple. Jesus said, I'm greater than the temple. And then he said, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath day. Here are the two great claims that the Lord Jesus says, he's the Lord of the Sabbath, and he's the superior of the temple. Now let's think first of Christ as the Lord of the Sabbath. The Jews understood very, very well what that meant. The Lord Jesus was laying claim to be the Creator. Who was it who first set and sanctified the Sabbath? It was the Lord Jehovah. It was the God of all creation. That's who did it. And they quite understood this. When he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, he was declaring in no uncertain terms that he was the Creator. Furthermore, he was making it clear that he is the one who says what's right to do and what's wrong to do on the Sabbath day. Now, I want to emphasize that. I'm not going to preach on the Sabbath this morning. I've done that, and I have no doubt we'll do it again. This New Testament of ours does not teach what many fundamentalists say it teaches, that the Sabbath is merely part of the ceremonial law, or that Christ abolished the Sabbath. Far from it. In fact, had he done so, he would have contradicted what he himself said. For in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, we read, he said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He fulfilled the Sabbath. He did not abrogate it. What he did was to remove from the Sabbath all the encrustations of the Pharisees, the things that they had added to it that robbed the people of the blessing of the Sabbath day. For you know, the Lord did intend the Sabbath to be a blessing. He didn't intend it to be a burden or a curse 
He intended it to be a blessing. We read that the Sabbath was made for man. It wasn't made simply for the Jews. The Sabbath did not come into operation at Mount Sinai. The Sabbath was made for man, and it started with the creation of Adam. Adam's first day on the earth was a Sabbath day. Never forget that. The Sabbath was made for man to be a blessing to him. It was for his good. It was for his health. It was for his rest. It was for his home. It was for his family. It was for his worship. The Sabbath was made for man. It wasn't meant as a means of killing all human joy. It was, a meant, uh, it was meant for increasing human joy. Let me tell you, the further men get from the Lord's institution, and the further men get from the Lord who instituted the Sabbath, the less joy they have. What is right on the Sabbath day and what is not right? Clearly from Scripture, there are things that are right for Christians— to do for God's people to do every other day of the week that are not appropriate for the Sabbath day. That's very obvious from Scripture. You read the book of Nehemiah, and you'll discover how that should be put into practice. So there are things that may be morally right other times, and they are morally wrong on the Sabbath day. How do we decide? Simply this. What the Lord says is right to do on the Sabbath day is right to do. What the Lord says is wrong to do on the Sabbath day is wrong to do. In Britain, historically, because Protestantism was very strong in its influence throughout the British Isles, England, Scotland, Wales, and at least the northern part of Ireland. The Sabbath day was a day recognized by saints and sinners, by government and by business. It was a special day. And then came attempts to bring in what we call the Continental Sunday. You see, wherever the Church of Rome ruled, there never has been an emphasis on the Sabbath day. So every one of you dispensationally-minded people, whether you're Baptist or Bible Church or whatever, or every one of you renegade Reformed who are following certain notions that you find among various Reformed people now to get away from the keeping of the Sabbath day, remember who your bedfellows are. Wherever Rome has ruled, there has never been an emphasis on the Sabbath day. Never. And so the continent of Europe, having fallen largely under the power of Romanism, had what, it called a, what we called a continental Sunday. That was the day for sport. That was the day having, when they had gone to Mass in the morning, and they had got their sins looked after because... Uh
sacrificed the unbloody sacrifice of the Mass for the sins of the living and the dead, and they were now back in favor with God so they could get back on to the real life of doing whatever they liked. And slowly but surely, as men departed from the gospel, in Britain they brought in the Continental Sunday. And today, just as in America, all the great sporting, well, most of the great sporting events, there's still some of which it's not true, are now in the Lord's day. But here's the thing. I can understand, though I do not commend it at all, I can understand the worldlings doing that. But what is happening is that now we have very few Christians who are willing to stand by the plain teaching of Scripture that we do what Christ allows on the Sabbath day and we disallow what he disallows on the Sabbath day. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www. .fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. Music.